This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. It's Behind Enemy Lines on the Blood Red channel, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Di Clark. Welcome along. A trip to the city ground awaits for Liverpool as Jurgen Klopp eyes a return to Wembley for the FA Cup semi-finals. Nottingham Forest v Liverpool, a fixture for the ages, certainly for those of a certain vintage. In the late 70s, the two clubs rivals on both the domestic and European fronts. And joining us to look ahead to Sunday's FA Cup clash, a pleasure to welcome former Forest forward Gary Bertels. And Gary, I suppose it's pretty fitting that you're joining us for behind enemy lines, given, I suppose, back when you were breaking through at Forest, you were certainly cast in the role of a villain for Liverpool fans. Yeah, I certainly was. Um, I made my debut on the Saturday against Arsenal, and then uh, uh, Mr. Clough said, "Son, you're of the first name on the, the, the team sheet for the Liverpool game." And you think, "Well, is he winding me up?" Because he was very good at doing that. Um, and sure enough, I was I was on there. And being born and bred Nottingham, uh, it was just an absolute uh, you know honour to to be in that team. Because I used to go in the Trent End with my dad when I was a kid, and. Uh, I didn't score against Arsenal, so the Liverpool test was going to be, you know, massive because they were the best team in in world football, um, you know, domestically by a country mile. I think they beat Spurs seven one before they uh, they played us in the first leg, and everybody thought we'd uh, be easy pickings, but um, you know we were resilient, and I got a tap in early in the first half, and uh, yeah, I had a hand in the second one. And that's where I said, you know, to Tomo, because he said to me at 1-0, he said, one won't be enough to take back to Anfield. And when we scored the second, I shouldn't have said it because I was a whippersnapper, you know, he's playing for England. And I went up and said, oh, will two be enough? And, uh, yeah, you see, he, he, he was quiet for the first time for Tomo, I think. Um, but, yeah, he, he took it OK. Yeah, no, bit of a, I suppose, reverse scouse wit there going to, 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 to Tomo with that. I want to pick your brains on kind of that time and coming through under Brian Clough and playing for Forest when the rivalry with Liverpool was, was at a height at that time. Both of you, both on the domestic and European front, kind of rivals within that time. But before that, just in terms of looking to, to this weekend's game and Liverpool heading to the city ground to take on Nottingham Forest. It brings up so many kind of historic moments and memories because given how long it is since Forest have been away and, and Liverpool haven't come up against them. Exactly. And, uh, you know, that's a sad thing. You know, Liverpool have maintained it. Obviously, it's a, a, a much ma- more massive city than Nottingham. Nottingham's very small. You can walk across from one side to the other in 20 minutes. So that just tells you the significant difference in, in town size. Uh but you've, you've, you've still got to maintain it. And Liverpool have done uh, brilliantly. They had a patch where they, you know, they, they weren't in contention as much as they'd like to be. But you know uh, that they're always going to be there and up at the top of the table. And it's going to be difficult on uh, Sunday for us. We've beaten Leicester, the FA Cup holders. We've beat Arsenal. Um, then Huddersfield, who were the form team, hadn't been beaten since December or something like that. Um, but Liverpool's a different kettle of fish and uh, it would be difficult. We've got some injury problems as well, which... I've come at the wrong time. There's no Lewis Graben. He's been out for a while. Uh, Paul Cook, who's been magnificent, he's, he's injured. Uh, yeah, so we've got key players missing, which, you know, dents it a little bit. But, you know, the people coming in will, will have a chance to prove what they can do. And the way we're playing at the moment, we, it's it's a free hit for us, really. You know, we can just go out and enjoy ourselves and, you know, hope for the best. 
How significant is it as well being at the City ground? You mentioned the wins there against Arsenal and Leicester, even even Huddersfield as well, who in the Championship had, had been going really strongly with with their form. You mentioned the unbeaten run they'd been on. It, it, it feels this season that the magic of the Cup has certainly belonged not just to Forest, but to the City ground as well. The ground seems to have come alive for these occasions. Uh, it's come alight under Steve Cooper. I mean, Steve came in and we got one point and people, you know, Forest fans were talking about relegation. Uh, and that was how bleak it was at that particular point. You look now, one point off the playoffs with a game in hand, and we're in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup playing Liverpool. Uh, it's just, you know, this turnaround has been absolutely staggering. It was all morose and, you know, doom and gloom uh, when Steve first came in. And now you can't get the smiles off the, the Forest fans' faces and the atmosphere at the City Ground. We, we all know the Anfield uh, atmosphere is just incredible. You know, I've played there many times and... Uh, but the, the atmosphere at the city ground, we're selling out games, you know, we're nearly at 30,000 uh, most most home games, which is, you know, fantastic. And uh, the, the whole city's, you know, really buzzing. It's lifted everybody. And it's uh, Steve Cooper's come in and he's embraced the football club, not just the, the team. Uh, he's asked to, you know, meet us. He's come out for a drink with us and he wants to know about, the, you know, the history of, you know, when we were under Brian Clough and things like that. He's invited us to train in and uh, he's, he's just... In, incredibly into the football club. Uh, you know, he loves all the singing, you know, at the, the start, the Mull of Kintyre theme where it goes city ground, you know, miss rolling in from the trends and all that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just been a breath of fresh air and uh, it's, it's, it's good to see hope back in the, uh, you know, the eyes of Forest supporters. They think we this might be our season maybe to challenge, get in the playoffs and hopefully get back in the Premier League. Yeah, no, a couple of years ago, what was it? The, the, the season was affected initially by, by COVID with the lockdown that Forrest had kind of been in the playoff places all year, hadn't they? And, and fell away under Sabri Lamushi and it, it didn't quite sort of come back last year under to Chris Hutton. But you mentioned there, Steve Cooper, he, he kind of cut his managerial, or his coaching teeth, as it were, in the youth ranks at Liverpool. Jurgen Klopp he referenced did, yeah. that in his in his pre-match press conference. And I suppose a lot of people going to, to Forest can kind of be overawed maybe by the history of it and the the grandeur that has been before at Forest and trying to restore it to those former glories. I don't think many people expect Forest to be up challenging for a Premier League title anytime soon, but certainly getting them back in the the, the Premier League. And, and Steve Cooper, as you say there, seems to really have embraced that and taken it on and used it as some kind of extra power that he can call on rather than be daunted by the history. Well, you, you look at his CV, you mentioned Liverpool there, and then he was with the England under-17s, had success, went to Swansea, had success. And he's just galvanised the whole football club. You know, I watched the training session he took um, on the city ground pitch and it was just so impressive. You know, he was taking it himself and the response from the players, you've got to have response from the players. You know, we've got a similar set of players, you know, now who were there under Chris Hutton. He's brought some decent uh, loan signings in and, uh, you know, the response from the players, it's like the shackles have been taken off. You know, they're just going out there and expressing themselves. They're, they're just loving every minute of uh, playing football for him. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's nice to there's an ex-player sitting there with a smile on my face instead of thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen today? And, yeah, there's, there's more um, hope than despair now, which is fantastic to see. Yeah, you mentioned there growing up and supporting Forrest as well. For for the cup run so far, what's what's been the highlight? Was it the win over Leicester, given the locality of them, or or seeing off Arsenal? I think it was, yeah, because um, you know they they didn't have a full side out. But I, I like what Brendan Rodgers said afterwards. He wasn't happy with what he saw from the team that he put out. He expected more. 
Um, you know, it's, it's nice to hear that uh, honesty. And, uh, you know, the, there is a little bit of East Midlands rivalry. You know, you know, I heard Gary Lineker come out the other day and say the biggest miracle in football history was uh, Leicester winning the Premier League. Well, I, I beg to differ. You know, we came up from the, what is the championship now, won the Premier League the next season, two European Cups, a Super Cup, two League Cups. So, I mean, yeah, OK. Uh, he might have said it with a bit of tongue in cheek, but, you know, what was achieved for a little city is just in- incredible. Uh, Brian Clough and Peter Taylor were just magnificent to work for. It was a joy to go into work every day. And and uh, you, you never knew what was going to happen next. Uh, you know, when you went in training, it was that good on a daily basis. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, a delight to play for them at that point. Yeah, and I bet for you coming through as a kid, as you said, you'd been kind of on the trend end with your dad watching the games and I suppose very quickly had initially kind of the best view internally of seeing what was going on in and around the training ground and then thrust into it. I suppose at the best possible time for yourself, as you say, made your league debut against Arsenal and then into the European Cup with Forrest for the first time and what was the reward for, for winning the league goal? A first round tie against the reigning European champions, Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, everybody said they wanted to go to Spain or Italy, something like that. But uh, yeah, you've got to play who you're drawn against. You've got to beat who you're drawn against. And um, it's, I I just feel so lucky and privileged because, uh, you know, at certain times things happen for me that, you know, you you look at now and think, if I hadn't took that advice, I could have been somewhere else. I could have gone to Mansfield uh, for £110 a week, but Frank Clark uh, taught me out of it. Um, you know, I, I got talked out of it again by Frank um, after a reserve game. I was down in the dumps. He said, look, just stay here and, and you know, it's going to happen. I've got a feeling for you. And I listened to that. And uh, even before that, uh, a guy when I was non-league, um, the chairman, John Rayner, uh, uh, Peterborough, John Barnwell and Noel Campwell came to see me, wanted to sign me for Peterborough. And he whispered in my ear, he said, don't sign yet. He said, I've heard Forrester interested. So all those little things at particular points, if I'd have picked the wrong choice, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you now. Um, and the privilege of playing with that particular bunch of players was just staggering because, you know, they were so good. Yeah, I've got to say this tongue-in-cheek on a Liverpool podcast, Gary, but where's Frank Clark when you went to Manchester United, eh? Could have talked you out of that yeah, one. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You had to bring that up, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, but you know, I don't even regret that. You know, it's it's... People forget I went there and I didn't speak about it much. I had uh, the same injury as Ray, Ray Wilkins called synthesis pubis, a stress fracture in the pelvic bone. And you couldn't do anything. You couldn't even drive a car. All you could do was walk. Um, and I was, it had to heal itself. So it took about six weeks. So you're six weeks behind, you know, before you started, before, you know, anything's happened. So th- that wasn't the perfect start. But, you know, it was a learning curve for me because I'd only won things, at, you know, Forest, and then you go to Manchester United, who have always been my second team because of George Best. Um, you know, you, you want to be successful, desperate to be successful, but it doesn't always happen like that. Behind Enemy Lines on the Blood Red Channel. Did you know, kind of, and realise the magic that was unfolding at Forest. Obviously, as a fan, you had that affinity, the connection of seeing promotion and a league title. But when you were playing, did you kind of realise these are completely magical times? Or was it complete kind of fear of doing as instructed and told by the great Brian Clough? Well, I I was actually in a nightclub in Nottingham called the Palais de Dance. uh, This was 1974, 75, I think. And there was a petition going around, a paper petition, 
trying to get Brian Clough to be the Forest manager. It was, you know, ridiculously long. And I signed that actual petition, you know, to get Brian Clough to come to the city ground, which is quite weird. Um, but th- there were five players who, who were there when Brian Clough arrived, who went on to be double European Cup winners or European Cup winners. And, you know, that was the turnaround that had to happen. And uh, it, you didn't, I didn't see it particularly at first, but that, that when they were in the Premier League and when they, I think Bob Wilson said the bubble's bound to burst all those years ago and it never did burst and, uh, you know, they maintained it. And you, you don't flute things like that because you've got to have exceptionally good players. And that first, the, the league season, I wasn't in the team. I came in the following season when Peter Wood was signed to uh, sold to Newcastle. Um, so, yeah, I, I was sitting on the sidelines and all I used to do was uh, watch Peter Wood and Tony Woodcock play. Nobody else, because if I got a chance... What could I do to help those two with, you know, with their games and my game? So yeah, it was a, it was a learning curve in that respect, and um, yeah, then to obviously get the chance to play. Nobody expects us to win the European Cup at all, and to win it twice is just, you know, back to back is just crazy. And I always tell my kids, I said, when there's a Liverpool game, and I said, look at that that gap, you know, between uh, the 1979-80. I said that's when Liverpool couldn't beat us, um, and I was told a stat this morning that. They couldn't score many against us either. You know, I think they won one out of ten games against us, and uh, scored very few goals against us. And you know, you talk to Tommy and Graham Souness in our "I Believe in Miracles" film. You know, said, you know, you've got to give Forest respect. They were that good. You know, we couldn't beat them, and um, you know, their achievements has got to go down as one of the greatest in history. Yeah, and as you say there as well, during kind of those years, the heyday of that rivalry as well, it wasn't just a case of you guys were the new kids on the block winning the other games but losing to Liverpool. You you were going, as you said there, and in that European Cup first round, second leg, you were going to Anfield and getting the results that you needed or, as it were, with that that first leg, winning the home leg. Yeah, I mean, Tomo might have been right. You know, 1-0, that might have not been enough, but two, you know, you got two to defend and... At Anfield that that night, uh, you know, we were brilliant defensively. You know, you absolutely battered us. Um, but Shilton was magnificent. The back four were. But you, you like Cluffy always said, defend from the front. So you have to. I I only got a sniff that night. But you know, you've got to run your legs off and try and close down and then you know stop pressure coming to the midfield and then onto the back four. Um, so all round, it was just a, an exceptional performance to to get through and. Um, then people still probably didn't fancy us to go and win the final. And it annoys us a little bit because we beat Malmo in the final. People say, oh, you look at Malmo now, but they knocked Real Madrid out on the way to get into you know, their, their final. So we've got to look at it, it, it you know, in, in its time and you know, where they were at that particular point. And yeah, it was just, you know, to win it once was fantastic, but then to go and defend it and uh, you know, bring it back twice, as Liverpool players will tell you, is just absolutely incredible. Yeah, definitely. Especially that first season for you. There was there something different about the European nights. Your your record in Europe was absolutely fantastic that season. I mean, you 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 broke through fantastically in the league as well. But but six goals in nine games in Europe was there a reason behind that? Uh, I played with very good players. So you know, I played with a genius called John Robertson on one side. I've got Martin O'Neill on the other, and the delivery you got from that, those two players was just absolutely fantastic. You know, we've got the, one of the best attacking fullbacks, I think, in Viv Anderson. You know, there's so much creativity in that team. You know, from midfield, we had uh, Archie Gemmell, we had Ian Bowyer in there, 
you know, always scored goals. You know, midfield players would have got in double figures uh, most seasons for us at that point. And centre-halves were getting in double figures. You know, Larry and Kenny, if they didn't get in double figures, weren't, you know, particularly happy, I don't think. Um, so it was, it was a team ethic. And the, the one thing Brian Clough always used to say to us, he said, I'm not, I'm not bothered what you can't do. He said, all I'm bothered is about what you can do. And as a player... That, that makes you feel a million dollars. Just lifts you so much when you go out on the pitch. You know, you're not panicking or worrying about what you can't do. Just go out and do what you can do. You know, play to your strengths. And and, and he was a great man manager in that respect. How important is that element of man management? I mean, you often hear pundits or people speaking about how football has evolved so much tactically and facilities and infrastructure-wise, it may well have done as well as the wages the players are given. But that level of, of man management and being able to speak person to person in that regard, I mean, Jurgen Klopp of the modern era seems to be a great man manager in in the way he handles the media, the way in which he speaks with his players as well. And and I suppose Brian Clough was really kind of the, the forefather of, of all of that. Well, I'll, I'll go to the second European Cup final when we played... Um, who did we play in the second one? I can't remember. Hamburg. Kevin Keegan's Hamburg. Yeah. Um, and after 10 minutes, Trevor Francis was injured. He snapped his Achilles before the, the second one. So we started 4-4-2 with me and Gary Mills up front. And after 10 minutes, we were getting battered. So Brian Clough has changed it to 4-5-1 after 10, 10, 15 minutes, 4-5-1. Who would do that? I mean, people say about 4-5-1, but he saw it then after 10 minutes and changed it because he thought if he didn't change it, we would have lost that game and certainly would, without a doubt. We still had a lot of defending to do. And uh, he said, uh, I ran more miles than Emil Zatopek uh, for the younger element who won't know him. He was one of the greatest long-distance runners of all time. And... Um, Yes. I, I, I mean, that's the two seasons there. I played nearly 140 games in two seasons and I was absolutely exhausted by the end. The doc, club doctor had to get come out to me at home because I've got blood blisters all over my body. Entirely just, just spent and uh, loved every minute of it. I wouldn't change it for the world. It was brilliant. Refreshing to hear that when, when Jurgen Klopp, for one, talks so much about kind of too many fixtures, but always if you're going to be a successful team, it's always been the same, no? Yeah, but, the, you know, we played on terrible pitches. I mean, we played the semi-final against Cologne uh, the, when we drew three all in the first leg. And it was a quagmire. Um, and, you know, we still had the players who just glided across the surface in Robertson, you know, Archie Gemmell, people like that. Um, so I, I, it really annoys me about this tiredness thing now. You know, you're a privileged player as a professional footballer. You know, stop whinging about feeling tired. You know, just get on with it. They have more people looking after them than we ever had. We had one physio, and that was it. Yeah, uh, yeah. You just go out and enjoy every minute of you know, tiredness. Is working for the NHS, believe me, because my wife sadly passed away last year of pancreatic cancer, and we saw, you know, how brilliant the the NHS was all the way through. Not just the the surgeons and everybody, just the whole uh, NHS it was brilliant, and um, that's tiredness. You know, doing what they do in, in you know COVID times and things like that. So I, when people whinge about feeling tired, shut up, please. Yeah, definitely. Well put. Um, finally, just want to bring it back round to the game Sunday and mention kind of the, the magic of the cup run that it's been for Forrest so far. There's going to be no Trent Alexander-Arnold for Liverpool due to injury, but I suppose you're going to tell me the guy playing at, at wing-back for Forrest has been the player of the tournament so far. Uh, Jed Spence? Yeah. Yeah, he's been exceptional. Um, he's... 
he's one of those players who, who gets you off your, your seat. You know, when he picks the ball up, he's, he's so confident in what he does. And that's got to be down to Steve Cooper as well. Him and Bre- uh, Brennan Johnson down that right-hand side have been causing havoc for teams. And uh, even when teams play against them to stop them, there's always, you feel, two or three moments in the game where they're going to make something special happen. I mean, the goal he scored the other night, Jed Spence, was spectacular. I don't know if you've seen it against uh, QPR. Uh, it's it from 30 yards, top court, top right-hand corner. Absolute stunner. Um, yeah, we've got Steve Cooks out, obviously. He's injured. Max Lowe, uh, been key players. So that's that's going to hurt us a little bit. Um, uh, Lewis Graben's still out. So, yeah, but the players who come in have done well. Um, uh, Davis uh, from Aston Villa up front has done particularly well. He's a real handful. Uh, sorry, just come in, and when he comes on, he's, he's scoring, you know, regular at the moment. Uh, so we have we have options, but not as many, obviously, as Liverpool do. But uh, I'm sure, you know, we'll we'll just give it a massive go. Why wouldn't we? Yeah, definitely. Let's wait and see how it does then play out. Gary, thank you very much for joining. It's been a real pleasure to uh, take a trip down memory lane. And uh, yeah, and uh, I would say good luck with the game, but obviously, I, I have to say that <laughs> we'd rather see Liverpool go I- through. I know what you I know where you're coming from. That's fine. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red Channel.